gas or LMG explosion. It was absolutely horrendous. I'm going to post a video here while we're talking about it. And it gives to us a good bit of situational awareness. Now, the video of the, after uh, the uh, aftermath of what happened here is even more horrifying. I'm not going to show it because it just is not the kind of emotion that I want to uh, convey to you. But let me tell you, the people that are wailing in pain because their clothes and their skin have been incinerated should give warning to the rest of us that we need to not go toward a disaster. Don't be an onlooker. You need to remove yourself from that situation. If you see a fire, you have no idea what is around that area. You don't know if there's explosives nearby, some sort of combustible event is going to take place. You have no idea. So like the person in this video who quickly put it into reverse and started, you can hear the whine of the, uh, the uh, transmission going in reverse as he drives away and the panic of people nearby. You know that this was a situation that they feel like they got themselves too deep into. That's a little bit what it's like seeing what's happening in our world today. We have these disasters all around us. We look and we see, oh, there's a world on fire there. Oh, there's a whole government burning down. Oh, there's a people being oppressed and tyranny being pushed against them. Oh, here's some economic crisis. And we're so up close and personal to these events that we don't remove ourselves from the situation, from the secondary event that is going to take place. How do we do that? We start by being prepared. So on this day that is celebrated by many Christians in the Western world as being the day of Christmas, uh, Christmas a day of great tidings, a great, uh, day of good time, family, love, faith, and relationship. I want to remind to you that there are still things happening in our world that need our concern, people that need our care, forgotten ones that need our love. And so please reach out to people, homeless or not, uh, people that have been abused or not, people that are being oppressed, and please talk to them. Let them know that you love them as well. But don't worry, folks, this message has a secret of hope within it. Stick around, it's going to be just about another minute, and then we're going to get to that. PJM, which is an electrical grid that stretches from Illinois to the state of New Jersey has declared a system-wide emergency. It's called a stage two emergency. Stage three, all hell breaks loose and they have to uh, initiate rolling blackouts within the area. Now, stage two is a voluntary emergency. That means people are uh, asked, told to shut off their electronics, shut down everything except critical infrastructure inside of their own homes and businesses, really curtail any electrical use. They said that if things reach a stage three emergency, which historically means blackouts, uh, imminent uh, dangerous events, then you're going to see a devastating 65 million people who rely on the power grid without access to power. They could lose it for hours or days as the system works to retain critical control. The U.S. National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, the Israeli National Security Advisor, has convened, they both have convened a virtual meeting of Israel and U.S strategic consultative groups and workings. This week, they discussed significant regional developments. And unsurprisingly, most of it is focused on the new war against Iran. According to the White House, the senior policy, foreign policy, defense, and intelligence officials 
are all participating or have in the meeting. They discussed Iran's growing military relationship with Russia. They discussed how Iran and Russia are, are cooperatively benefiting each other with the deployment of weapons. They're targeting civilian infrastructure in both uh, areas and how Russia is uh, provisioning military technology to Iran in return. They say that Iran has been radicalizing and increasing its attempts to carry out terror attacks, which Israel foils on a daily basis around the world. We warn that Iran, he says, this isn't me, would choose a side and it would assist Russia. And indeed, Russian or Iranian manufactured weapons are now coming into Russian hands. We are warning here today about Iran's future intentions, they said, which they are trying to keep secret to expand the supply of advanced military equipment to Russia. We are warning about intentions, they say, to expand the uranium enrichment program and their intentions to identify and intensify harm to friendly nations in the region. The Ukrainian president is towing the line, saying the West needs to wake up. Iran's deadly drones sent into Russia in hundreds become a threat to critical infrastructure, he says. This is how one terrorist has found the other. It's just a matter of time until they will strike against other allies if we do nothing to stop them now. So you see the ratcheting up, the increase in, in wartime rhetoric, they're getting ready to act on Iran, and they will do it soon. Now, I was recently reading an article, and here is the vision of hope, the secret for each one of us. This was an article on the Christmas truce of 1914. In 1914, just a few months into World War I, it's being reported that some 100,000 troops from opposing sides engaged in a series of ceasefires events that were later called the Christmas Truce of 1914. During the first couple of months of the war, French and British troops steadily are said to have reclaimed land from very, uh, to varying degrees, pushing back German positions that were tearing through France and Belgium. In order for both sides to maintain their manpower and establish firm positions in the area, they dug miles and trenches from the North Sea to the Swiss frontier. As the reports go, a single evening in 1914, Christmas Eve to be exact, British soldiers, a machine gunner by position, were huddling in what they called a horrible clay cavity. It was a muddy trench that they had dug, when lo and behold, together with their brothers in arms, they began hearing the sounds of singing from the German trenches. The truce was not observed by everyone or everywhere across the line, Elsewhere, fighting continued. Casualties did occur on this day. It said that both sides began singing. Enemy soldiers began actually climbing out of their trenches, where what was just hours before a theater of death and despair, an emotion and fueled balance to the belief of good and evil. Soldiers, fellow men and humans, after all, started shaking hands. They traded tobacco. They gave each other wine and they enjoyed one another's company. And this was uh, leading up to the truce in the weeks leading up here. There had been efforts to establish peace by British suffragettes, uh, suffragettes. The Pope tried to establish peace, they said. In, 19, in December 7, 1914, the Pope pleaded with the governments to establish a peace. The nations declined. Now, that should seem a little bit familiar to you right now as we hear 
the call-ins for Russia's peace. We hear them saying, look, Russia wants peace. Look, the Pope's calling for peace. Look, Kamala Harris says peace. Look at all these people. Guys, it's nothing more than a, a ruse. They want to have you believe that there's a hope for peace. Neither sides truly want peace. Man wants war. Man wants more power. And man wants more wealth. How do you gain that? You take it from somebody else. That is the dog-eat-dog style of world that we are entering into. It's no longer a time where peace prevailed through common dialogue. Instead, it's muscles, bullets, and worse. Did you know that they give mice and rats in the laboratory setting an enzyme? This enzyme gives them colon cancer. They give rats in the laboratory setting, which rats are very close to humans. That's why they use them as lab rats. They give rats in the laboratory setting an enzyme and a chemical that gives them multiple sclerosis. So they can give a chemical that initiates cancer. They can give a chemical that initiates multiple sclerosis. And we question why these leaders don't want to eat the same garbage that they feed us, and they will never eat from another country, an enemy country's plate. This is why. So as we look at the things that are happening, we just have to question what comes next. They say with both sides in the 1914 war firmly dug in, winter setting upon itself with damp, wet, muddy conditions, there was a sudden frost. Morale plummeted across the Western Front. They said that Christmas would bring nothing but bloodshed until Christmas finally arrived. And with it, a moment of serenity, a moment of peace. The higher-ups did not want this to take place. No matter the holiday, they wanted war. The Christmas truce was unplanned. It was magical, they said, a desire to salvage humanity as men were killing each other. No one knows how widely adopted the truce was, but for those sweet moments in time and war, they happened reportedly along the entire fighting line. Not a constant line, of course, but as positions saw the enemy, they were lifted up in their spirit to do better than to take the life of the other for that moment in time. So that might have driven some different emotional uh, responses in you. For me, it kind of it makes me aware that war violence, the rage that is coming through humanity right now, this rage is a disease. Every once in a while, that fever breaks. And so I think that it's important for us to remember that as things get harder and the disease of rage and anger and madness of violence continues to rip its way through our world, that we try to have breaks and we try to find peace in ourselves and know that that other person, no matter their belief system, no matter their religion, uh, no matter their political ideology, at their core, they are just like you and me. The Ukrainian situational report, Russia has launched rockets on Kyrgyzstan. Musk warns that margin debt is going to cause a mass panic in the markets. They call it saying the quiet part out loud. Now, have you ever heard that term, saying the quiet part out loud? <clears throat> what they mean is that sometimes a few whispers of the truth 
it slipped. European Council President said in an interview with Russian TV that the international community should work out mechanisms to suspend Russia's membership to the UN Security Council. He says, I think there are flaws in international law if a permanent member, like Russia, blatantly violates international law. In my opinion, the president says, a mechanism for termination of membership must be established. I'm not talking about exclusion, just suspension. Currently, it's impossible. It contradicts the very concept of UN security. However, he says, we see clearly, even before the start of this war, that Russia and its lights have many difficulties in functioning when solving major international problems. I am among those who believe that sooner or later the reform of functionality will be mandatory. So what do I mean by them saying the quiet part out loud? Overhaul. New world order. I want you to listen to this part here. For example, to take better into account the balance of the modern world order. We see, for example, that the African continent is very little and very poorly represented. The same can be said about Latin America. I think that one day there will be a discussion of deeper reform. You know, there's all this talk of world order, world order, world order, new world order, old world order. Russia says that we're here with China to make a new economic world order. What they mean by that is new slave masters, a new system. The system will not benefit you. And it will not benefit me. Sure, we might get more crumbs than we did before. You might be on the winning side and you get a couple of extra meals. But at the end of the day, we will just be well-treated slaves versus the slaves meant for the ditches. Now, is that better than not? Absolutely. But one day, the entire system will fall. There can only be those three stages. Relative peace, which is always followed by tyranny. And that tyranny, when oppressing man, is always followed by revolution. Now, this happens in different forms of violence as well. You always have peace followed by uh, calm, followed by violence. So peace and violence are light and dark. And we're going to continue to see this. Right now, we are entering into a time of darkness, a time of violence. But I hope that you are getting ready. So they're looking for a new world order. A viewer of the channel, KC, wrote us in with pictures showing their local Walmart. One worker said the weather caused refrigerators and freezers to stop working. Another said the trucks won't be able to make it because of deliveries in the cold weather. Now, I was just reading a news report how people in multiple Walmarts across the northern hemisphere, uh, the northern part of the United States of America, uh, into some areas of Canada, they were actually stuck in this bomb cycle, in this supreme freeze. Yeah, they had to take shelter in buildings, yeah. sometimes breaking into them, other times going into yeah, places yeah. like a Walmart and sleeping there. I want to remind you that when you're stuck without shelter, you don't have the sleeping bags in your car, you don't have ways to stay warm, <laughs> remember you only get the rule of threes, three moments to react to impending violence, three minutes without oxygen, but the old thinker here doesn't think as well. You have three hours in inclement or extreme weather. That means if you get locked into your vehicle for six hours and you have no way to heat it up and it's negative outside, you are screwed. Be ready. And then you have 
three days without water, three weeks without food. Please, you know, take the rule of threes into account. I want to get to a viewer question here. Sydney Overland. Question. My husband told me that he was going to order things for indoor cooking, like a butane burner. Sorry, I just got a piece of dust or something in my eyeball. Uh, she continues. Alcohol and sterno. He told me that the, I'm going to be like a pirate, if you don't mind. So, uh, you know, I hope that you are having a good day as well. Uh, he told me that he was going to order these things. They were labeled as cancer-causing. Sydney asks, are they safe to use? My husband wants to get a solar generator and some kind of electric grill. Does that work? Or maybe an Instapot. Uh, so is it safe to use, like to heat over, even though it says it might have cancer-causing ingredients? If it's part of Prop 65, which is California's uh, you know, proposition to label everything as cancer-causing, uh, that could possibly become ingested or uh, taken into the human body. Is it still safe to use? These are just my opinions, of course. Uh, the things that we, you know, drink and eat from, like I'm, I've got this great stainless steel cup, right? But it has a plastic lid. Now, what we know about plastics says that this version of plastic, this type, unless I bite at it, which as you can see, I have not, uh, you know, and I don't put hot, chemical, uh, hot liquids inside of it, this plastic should be fine. It shouldn't leach anything. But the problem is we think that we know everything, but we don't. And that's why, like, you know, uh, the Wizard of Oz, they were just breathing in asbestos. They were using it as fake snow because they thought they knew everything, but they didn't know any better. So even though we think we know these things, we don't. And so is it safe to eat over? Uh, will I use it in a disaster? Yes, absolutely. The difference between not making it through a crisis and having what you need, even if there's some long-term detrimental effects, well, I'm, I'm going to hope that my body is made in a way that it will get rid of some of those toxins, and I'll try to fast and do things otherwise to help out with that. So is it safe to use? Yes. What do I think is your best choice? Get charcoal. Uh, you know, get propane. And, uh, you know, everybody has an outdoor propane grill, at least in the South. You've got to get extra propane tanks. You've got days and days and days of cooking. Does that help you with your heating? No. But then you get sleeping bags. Set up a tent inside your home. There are ways to get ready. Next question, Dustin Farnham. If we get hit with an EMP, what is the likelihood of America getting invaded? I think I've gotten a question like that before. Invaded is hard. Uh, you know, I think if, if anytime you're talking about America getting invaded, why? Uh, you know, why would they come here? We know that they would, in order for there to be an invading force, they would have to come from somewhere like Mexico, Canada. And I think that even Mexico, uh, with all of Russia and the East attempts to um, become buddy-buddy with South American countries, you're a long way away from being invaded by a military force. Now, invaded other ways? Yes, absolutely. If you look at the derivation of the word invasion, you have many terms uh, of that use, uh, you know, the uses of that word. So I think that you could see different types of invasion. Maybe even you are right now. Guys, I hope that you are having a great day today. I want to thank you for sticking it out with me here. Maybe uh, you, you know, you're spending time with friends and family. Maybe uh, you're uh, getting ready, doing some cooking. But we're here together. And that's what we do. Even if we don't have uh, you know, other people that we are hanging out with on this day, we are hanging out here with each other, and I thank you for that. Much love from my family to you and to yours.
please be at peace in this coming year. Be as ready as you can be. I hope that you find joy, tranquility, serenity, and happiness. Don't forget to do your chores, do your preps, and then have fun. Please stay safe and keep watch. If you are interested in long-term food storage, check out nutrientsurvival.com forward slash FSS and use the code FSS15. It might only be good until the end of the year, so you only have a couple of extra days if you're going to get that. And if you're looking for antibiotics, real ones from real doctors, contingencymedical.com just got their uh, site back online. It is uh, the code FSS10. I don't get any commission. I don't take any commission from any sponsors or anything. In my opinion, I would always rather, if my child is sick, I'd much rather give them real antibiotics if they have to. If everything else I've done has failed, I'd rather it come from a pharmacy than a uh, pet store. Much love, everybody. Godspeed in the coming coming new year. I'm going to go ahead and see if I can open it back up here again. I got to tell you, I think Blog Talk is frozen. Like, I just rebooted. I just rebooted and started everything over here again. And I think Blog Talk is frozen. So I'm hoping we can crash the little old website today. But it kind of seems like we might have. So I can get to other websites through here, but this Blog Talk is the only thing I'm not able to get through to here. So. I'm wondering if we crashed the little old website. I'm wondering if we did that. Everything is set up to go and everything. I get everything else going, but looks like we, we broke Blog Talk's little website down, y'all. Oh well, sucks to be them. Sucks to be them. Uh, Great Black Shark, I can see about that. I, I usually don't do that over here on the Black Channel, but I can see about that. I don't know. You want me to try? Y'all want me to try Zoom? Usually, I just have people call up and everything. But do you all want me to try Zoom? If you all want, if you all are willing to call me up, up on Zoom, give me a TV emoji in the chat room. Jason, be putting through most of that. If you all want me to try Zoom, if you want me to go ahead and switch over to that, give me a TV emoji in the chat room. Because I don't know what's going on with their blog talk. I don't know what's happening. But they are not ready for business right now. All right. But it looked like they want to go ahead and do that. They look like they want to go ahead and do that. I don't know. I need to give y'all something for an intermission. I need to give y'all something for an intermission. So, you know, while I go ahead and get Zoom up and going, so maybe I go ahead and give y'all something for a little bit of intermission here. How about this? Is this okay? Can we do this? Is that intermission enough? What the fuck is that? Is this, is this breaking the flow of things? Oh, yeah. I'm doing too much. I just, I was, okay. I, I just want a little bit of an intermission while I get Zoom up and going. That was all I was looking for there. I wouldn't try to start any trouble. I wouldn't try to start any trouble. I just want to bring intermission and that was all. That was all I was trying to do. Lot going on on Zoom now. What is going on? Yeah, now? that's what. Bro. 
they got a lot going on in this thing. Usually just one or two things, but now they got a lot happening. All right. I got Zoom up and going here. Let me go ahead and throw the link up. Go ahead and throw the link up for you all so you all go ahead and check that out. I'll pin it to the top of the chat and we'll get that going. So if you want to give me a call on Zoom, you can go ahead and do that. Please don't be in the dark with your footies on. Please don't be doing that. I know it's very tempting. Please try to avoid that. Even for the ladies, no, I'm not going to. Ladies, even for you, please, let's, let's try not to do too much of that. So I went ahead and pinned it at the top of the chat there. Let me go ahead and the window. Nobody else can. Everything else. Let me make sure I got that taken care of. I'm all right. I got Ian. Okay, they started to load up over there on Zoom now, so let's go ahead and see what we got. All right, let's go ahead and bring Ian here. Like I say, just to make sure we don't have a troll situation to it and stuff, you know, definitely um, you don't want to be in the dark or whatever, so holla at me here. Make sure I got Ian on deck here. I got a bunch of folk loading up in the Zoom for me. I got a bunch of folks loading up in the Zoom. Okay, Ian, what are you doing? So what are you going to do? Nothing, sir. Okay, what's on your mind? Uh, well, I just want to give you a props for an excellent show and oh, rallying it up. Can't focus start for yeah. Yeah. New right. Year. There you go. Brand new year, 2023. And um, I really don't have anything to say. Like I'm, I'm just um, trying to rework some things in my life. You know, uh, some of the messages to uh, black empowerment. There's some things that I know personally that I have to get things better in my life. Uh, How old are I you? Want to say when it, oh, I'm I'm 46 years old. Okay, you ain't no young cat at all. Oh no, no, I'm not yet. Not at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like to think that I'm young. My young and hard. What have been doing for the last four decades? I mean, you know, combination of just making mistakes, you know, learning from them, you know, growing up things, pains of life. We got any wins? Um, at 46, do we have any wins on our belt yet? It depends on what you think wins are. I mean, I'm, oh I'm boy. comfortable. All right. I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable just, in the career that I do. Just I'm remember, just remember, if it's open to interpretation, it's not good. Yeah, yeah, I know that, Jason. No, no, I'm, I, I listen to your broadcast. Wow, you pick me up. I'm going to do respect to the call. I mean, and I'm going to blog talk. I was doing what your commands were. But, um, no, I'm just, you know, just like, like I'm, I'm a truck driver. I'm going to get truck drivers to uh, listen to me. And, um, you know, I don't own a truck. Like, I'm a company guy. I'm decent. You know, I get decent money. And um, I'm good. Like I said, like, certain things I have to work on my life is my credit. I got to work on that. Nah, you know, getting that better. But overall, man, I like the message you do, man. I'm very impressed with you, man. I like, I like your style. How like, much uh, money do we have in the bank and savings? Well, me and wifey just got money set out where we just 
paying the bills, man. Like, y'all, y'all know what I'm going to say it. now when I ask somebody for a number and they start responding with words. We know how that goes. So. It's not, it's not a lot. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. It's not a lot. All right, do we have any kids? Me personally, I don't like you. I don't have any okay. biological well, children. What about, about her? What about her personally? Oh, she got children. Okay, there you go. Uh-huh. And you're married to her, so now you got kids. There you go. In that regard, just finished law school. She did. And well, we got trucks. Law school. She got buku uh, debt. What she's got, so we got a lot of work ahead of us now. So definitely, yeah, this is the time. you got a lot of work ahead of you here. So um, this is no time to play about it. So I definitely recommend you be ten toes down at this point here. Forty six years old, you way late in the game. So you definitely want to be serious about it at this point right now. Definitely want to be serious. Are you, doing, are you working today? Yeah, I'm sitting in my semi in um, Hudson. Wisconsin. Wow. It's right on the border. It's right on the borderline of Minnesota. Yeah, he's doing the snowstorms and everything else. So be safe out there yeah. and you know keep your head up and Appreciate keep your you. eyes open. Thank you very much for giving us a call here tonight. Let me see if I can get uh Lanicia. Let me see if I can get Lanicia up in here. Hi Lanicia. Are you on? Wake up, Lanicia. Okay, Lanicia, you need help on your WIC voucher. Wake up. Lanicia, last try. I found you, baby daddy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is Lanisa. Hello. I was about to say, I found you, baby daddy. He said he's sorry. What's on your mind? <laughs> I was just trying to join in. So listen, I've called before. Did you want everyone to move to Zoom? Well, I only people who want to call in, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I kind of said I'm not supposed to call. I called before. I do apologize, sir. Okay. No, I did not ask the general public to move to Zoom. I just... Oh, fails to follow directions. That's the problem you have there. Fails to follow directions. All right. Everybody on Zoom, this is really only for the, I mean, if you, uh, this, I really want to give priority to first time callers. For everybody else there, I want y'all to hold back for a minute there. Let me get uh, Gilberto. Go ahead and turn your stuff on, Gilberto. Gilberto. Um, Wake up. We need to come down to the LGBT club and, and get you out of there. Let me know if we do. If we got to come down and get you out of there, let me know, Gilberto. If you're stuck in a bind and you need some help, let us know. In the meantime, let me go ahead and get uh, Courtney. Go ahead and plug up your microphone. What's on your mind, brother? Uh, what's going on? Uh, there's my name's Courtney. Houston, Texas. All right, what's I up, you know? Yes, sir. I'm just calling in. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And, and looking for uh, guidance on change in my life. And, you know, ultimately, after I uh, lack empowerment. How old are you? 33. Okay. I'm 34 in January. Are your people originally from uh, Houston? Well, my dad was from uh, 
North Carolina, my mom was from here. I grew up kind of back and forth. My mom passed when I was uh, nine. I you know, come out here in the summer. I'm originally from a girl in North Carolina, but I grew up in Houston. Uh, but since like eighth grade, since my dad essentially foreclosed on his house, forced me to live with my grandmother. Finished uh, high school out here, went to the University of Houston. You know, started my family and everything out here, but uh, as far as, uh, you know, support, it really isn't any. So, but, you know, like you said, uh, the, the, the broadcast, you know, not to cut you off, but, uh, you know, our people is on, you know, friends, this fantasy talk, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And with, with, with my circumstances and situation, I don't really have time for fantasy talk. Just looking for guys that, you know, are ready. Well, you know, Houston is in kind of a precarious position right now because Houston technically, not geographically, but technically is stuck between Dallas and Austin. Dallas is blown up tremendously. So Austin has its eyes. Literally, the mayor of Austin is saying they want to do the San Francisco or Texas. You got semiconductor plants, Tesla plants, everything else over there in Houston is trying to keep up. Houston is trying to keep up. And so it's a situation, especially for young folk who are trying to get something for themselves, build something for themselves. You know, you don't really have time for family members from the older generation who they were happy just working at the plant. Maybe that job at the plant was okay to buy the house he was at the dude. In Houston, you're looking at 300, 400,000 to start. So you don't have that option. The options they had, you don't have that. that you don't have that at all. So for a lot of you there, as difficult as it might be and whatnot, I, I think especially in a place like Houston, because it's kind of a particular animal in that regard, you got no, you, you really got to have no patience for anybody who's talking intangibles. It's like, okay, just keep it pushing. I don't even need to keep it polite. It's just kind of just keep it pushing because you don't have that option. They had options. And, you know, in Houston, especially where black folks are concerned, y'all tend to have a lot of older family members around. We're from the South. Doesn't right. have a lot of old veterans right. around. But you got to understand, there's really only two kinds of old folk old and hungry and old and beat. That's it. They either still out here and they trying to get it or they give it up. And unfortunately, most of us just say give it up, but they ain't got no fight left in They're not trying to fight nothing. You're in your 30s, so you still trying to make it happen. They just like, man, why you need some trouble? Why can't you get you just a little old, nice starter house on the outside of town and get you a nice little old size 18 female and y'all two just make it work? And it's just, and you're like, okay, that, that, that's, that's not a plan. That's not a plan. So they'll be looking at you crazy. And here's the other thing right here. I can tell there's a respect quotient missing. I can tell by talking to you, there's a little bit of a respect quotient that's missing. What that tells me is ain't nobody passing it down to you. Right. Can we just go ahead and let it out there? Nobody, yeah. Nobody's passing nothing down. It's very hard to respect old people who ain't passing nothing down to you. It's very hard to respect a bunch of old folks sitting up here in your face talking about what you call them. They're not passing nothing down. They're not giving you anything to maintain. You're basically starting from zero. So it's yeah. hard to be respectful under those circumstances. And furthermore, I'm not going to tell you you need to be. That doesn't mean you need to whoop nobody's ass and drag them down the street. That's not what I said. But what I am saying is this idea that you need to be 
grateful and respectful to folks who aren't producing. No, brother, production is, is, is the law of the land. It's the law of the land. Biggest thing you need to make sure right now is like, okay, send them a green card, but if they have left you out here getting it on your own, then your priority has to be getting it. Period, point blank, in the discussion. And they can't be mad about it because they put you in that position. They cannot be mad about it because they put you in that position. So the first thing I'm going to tell you right now is that for every black male listening, these are the numbers, not the hope, wish. These are the numbers. Number one, you should have one year's income in the bank in savings, not six months. That's what you were traditionally told. That ain't going to get it. You need to have one year's income in the bank. A year. Jason, I ain't got that. Then you better get started. Number two, you need to have a 700 plus credit score. Preferably 750 or greater. That's going to be a two or three year deal. But if all you can rely on is your own income to pay for things, you are in a world of hurt. Being able to borrow money gives you a multiplier effect. If you keep having to dip into your own savings to pay for things, then you are cash poor. That's how you get on that treadmill you can't get off. So don't let anybody tell you that you don't need to build up your credit. I recommend that you start with unsecured credit cards with no annual fees and stuff like that. Um, If y'all want to get to that later, we can. But I'm telling you, get your savings together and get your credit together. Last but not least, last but not least, last but not least. No kids, no anything like that. You got to be focused right now. You can have you a cool female to deal with, but if she's not on the same page with you and she's not going nowhere, do not get yourself into any type of permanent attachment. And that includes emotionally. You see, that is the way in which black males comfort themselves when they're not producing. Let me get a chick to lay up. I'm getting sexual access. Why I got to stress myself? Next thing you know, they give up. And Houston is Houston is one of those places where there's only really two ways to deal with Houston. You're coming up and you're coming out. And that's really what it is. In Houston, I mean, Houston is, is, is different because it's an old industrial town. It's an old oil town. So it's, it's actually an older city in a lot of ways. Not old like Philadelphia, but it is an older city. You know, it's an old industrial town. And I mean, it's really got it's really got a ball of fall culture. I mean, in Houston, you need to do it well if you struggle. That's really all it is. It's really not a big middle It's not a big middle ground in Houston. That's not what it is. In Houston, you either set or you struggle. That's really the way it is. And it's, it's only gonna get wider. Houston didn't really have some big upper class to begin with. Now they're trying to give it to everybody who's there already. That's what it's gonna be going forward. So those are the rules. That is it. And in your case, you're in your 30s. You're starting late. You're starting late. But yesterday was the best time to start, but today will have the second best time is today. You're going to have to get started on that. Also, in the chat room, my man Ryan is correct. If you got any habits, drop them. Oh, hell, he froze up when I said that. (laughs) If you got any habits, drop them. You got no time for that. You have no time for no habits, no drink, no dank, no anything. All these comfort mechanisms and coping mechanisms and wine, woman, and song, dudes ain't even winning nothing. That's that's how that works. 
So first and foremost, those are the three rules. If you're not focused on that, don't expect a whole lot to change. Don't expect a whole lot to change. Expect to be 50 years old talking about, man, I don't know what I can do about them. It'll just be you and Pop sitting on the porch. That's what it'll be. I'll let you have the last word. Uh, I just appreciate this. This uh, definitely enlightening as always. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for giving Tell my folks out there stuff, you know, I go back and forth between Houston and Louisiana all the time. You know, I do that all the time. I go back and forth between there and Texas all the time. A lot of you folks don't tell you that. They don't tell you that. They're in their 20s and 30s or older. It's like nobody in the family is building nothing. Nobody in the family had nothing to jump off. They're, they're in their 30s and 40s. There's nothing being handed to them. They're reinventing the wheel all over again. I'm a firm believer. If you're around people who haven't done anything for you, what in the world are you doing around them? That sounds harsh. Harsh me ass. This is called having standards and filtering. Okay, Teresa, I don't know what you're doing, but you're having issues there, Teresa. You know, go ahead and get Wolf up. Wolf's Internet service is moving kind of slow. He's trying to figure out his audio. He's not sure. Wolf, last try. Okay, Wolf is working on it. Are you there? Okay, y'all. This is Wolf. Wolf does not understand that his sound is not on. Wolf must be working on the switchboard. Jason, let him talk. I'm trying to let him talk. Can't y'all tell? I'm trying. We're trying to get it together there. I'm trying, y'all. So, Jason, let him talk. I'm trying to let him talk. All right. Wolf is having technical difficulties. Let me go ahead and put him back where he was there. Wolf is having technical difficulties. We'll see if we can come back and try him again here in a minute. I got a bunch of folks sitting here on uh, Zoom. I got a bunch of you. Let me try Nevis. Let me go ahead and see if Nevis is ready for prime time. All right, Nevis is connecting their audio. At least they're pretending to. Hello, Nevis. Hello, can you? Yes, we can. What's on your mind? Uh, I just want to say, I really got a lot of nice ones to say thank you. I've been watching for two years now from England, UK, Leicester, see for Leicester. See young guys, 21 years old. And it's like really inspired me every day I watch you. Like, it's, it's really helping to watch your content as a young dude that ain't got no kids, still got a lot as a, a, in a big plan. It's totally been pushing me with the content. I hate to watch no one else. In the minors field, whatever you know, in the minors field, you only got to watch consistently. Like that. Well, I'm glad to hear. I'm glad to hear that. Now, um, which part of Great Britain you live in? Leicester, basically Leicester. From America, you probably put Leicester. Well, definitely, like I say, um, between New York and London, you got London, Essex, Sussex. And only the people who live over there know the difference between Essex and Sussex. It's a socioeconomic difference between the two of them. I mean, that, but folks over there understand what I mean. 
21 years old, dude, that's rough. It is rough because they're trying to, everybody around the world right now is trying to make themselves into the next Dubai is what they're trying to do. Everybody's trying to do that. And particularly in Great Britain, they're trying to solidify their wealth and take back the crown from New York City. And it leaves young people over there just struggling. It leaves young people priced the hell out, struggling the hell out. And it's, it's a rough ride, especially if you're early 20s, man. I mean, you're early 20s starting out. If you don't come from a family that's got it like that, where are your people from originally? From the Caribbean. I'm about to say, yeah, if you're, in a, that's when, if you're in the UK and you're black, you're either coming from Nigeria or the Caribbean. It's one of those. Yeah. My father's from the island of Nevis, my mom's from Guyana. There you go. There you go. Yeah, it really depends on the city. Like, especially in London, like, you're going to be suffering if you don't have a lot of money. But when it comes to Leicester, it's to the point where you can get apartments for like 600 a month, my apartment 600 a month. I ain't really struggling like that, but in London, you can pay a one bedroom apartment for like 2000 a month. And in US dollars, that's like 3000 2.5K for like a one bedroom flat apartment. It's not really a but it's a flat. Because you're going to love you, God, you catch up and survive. It's a fast life out there in London. And that's the thing I'm talking about. I mean, you're 21 years old, and you know, you're going to want to progress in life, you're going to have some things, you're going to do some things, but what good is it for you to be a citizen? You locked in box for the same block you were raised in and whatnot. So you're going to want to be able to do things like that. And it's, it's harder for you all to travel around than it is for us because we're on a big continent and usually everybody's going to come over here, but just to even leave the country is a hassle. You didn't have Brexit now, so it's complicated things even further. And to be young people in those circumstances, and you know, y'all got value added taxes and all kinds of craziness going on over there, regardless. And then if your people ain't papered up, now what? Because you're in a situation where, like, you know, the mayor of London, I want to say if it's still the same guy, now your mayor and your prime minister, we got Indians there and whatnot, and their idea is to make things even more expensive. That's the only thing they want to do now is make it more expensive than it was. 21 years old, you didn't drop in the damn meat grinder. They're getting dropped in the meat grinder. Have your folks had the talk with you, bro? Because I see you got the hair on bleak. But have they had the talk with you about having some viable skills? I'll be real. Like, hell no. To a certain extent, they did, but not to, to the first. I had to learn at a young age. And I'm talking like, so I always had ambitions since like 12 years old. I wanted to be smart to make money and acquire wealth. But I never, ever got told how to build credit. I never got told how to invest or how to actually manage money. I had to even learn that online myself. And it's to the point where, like, they don't give me the information, but they want me to actually figure it out. And they want me to be a millionaire when you're in the 20s. But they don't even know wealth or, like, financial advice on how to apply the money. So it's to the point where, when you have your own ideas, sometimes they talk down on that, but they don't see the vision yet. And that's what my family do me. So, like, when I turned, like, 19, some stuff happened at home. And I got kicked out. Now, at the, at the time, I didn't have no job. It's like, because they're kind of stuck in the way. My dad's a boomer. He didn't know you can make money online. So it's the point where he didn't really believe it. He used to tell me, you, you, you ain't doing shit, you ain't got a job. But the whole time I'm making money online, I'm investing the money I'm getting online. And so when he kicked me out, when I got locked up, he kicked me out after I got locked up. And it's to the point where he thought I was going to be homeless. I was in a youth hospital, but luckily because I had investments, I didn't have no credit history. It's to the point where I, I found an apartment, I had to just pay six months up front, it was like 
$4,000, six months of rent to stay in an apartment, it's not a place to live. And if I, if I didn't get the knowledge or have my brain switched on, I would have been homeless, probably doing all sorts of shit in the streets right now. Because I actually wanted to manage money stuff. At a young age, I listen to guys like you talk about you shouldn't be kind of fake it till you make it. You're the quiet guy, like you don't even show your face. Just to the point where you don't want to show your face, but you have, I don't want to party watch people you're safe like that. You don't, that's why I want to get them safe. Like, well, let me, let me tell you, I would make a lot more money in this internet thing if I did. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's not lost on me. I could have made 10 times as much as this if I did. Do you know how much, do you realize how many millions of views The Breakfast Club would get if they simply announced Jason Black would be on Monday? Can you imagine how many millions of views they would get? Just that quickly you would find out just how many people would know about him. It, it would be standing room only. So I would actually be able to cash out a whole lot more if I did. It's a it is a conscious decision that I've made. It doesn't help. I don't. It certainly doesn't help me. It certainly doesn't help me. But by the same token, I've always issued the cult of personality. I like, and I'm going to say it exactly the way it is. I've always admired the Al Heyman school of thought. I've always admired the Bilderberg school of thought. The world is run by people you never saw. You know why? Because those people are focused on their mission. They're not focused on being seen and they're not focused on quote unquote making friends. They're focused on being resourceful. I've got three bankers. Two of them I've never met in person. That one in person I've Zoom called with another one. The third one I've never I've never even seen him. Now, is, the money is always cleared. And to be totally honest with you, that's all you need. So I want you to start getting into your head to have resourceful people around you. Resourceful means, because it's very hard. At 21 years old, see, you all just came out of school, and you're used to the idea that to get something going, people, y'all got to like each other. Because that's the current, well, that's the currency of school, though. Because you all aren't producing anything of any value yet. You're not, you know, producing goods and services. You know, you're just learning. So in the school environment, that's value. Now you've crossed over over here. Value over here is results. Value over here is results. Everything else walks. So it can be very hard sometimes to make that distinction, that difference. Your job, you certainly don't want your name to be, you know, bad and dirty in the streets. You certainly don't want that. But the worst thing for your name is to have useless people around you. For you not to be resourceful and for other people around you not to be. Make sure you speak your accomplishments. That's not easy to do. So first order of business, like I told the young man who called in here earlier, you need to have your income as high as it can be. That's what your 20s are for. Um, YouTube and everything is great, but the bottom line is I didn't become a successful YouTuber because of YouTube. I became a successful YouTuber because I have areas of expertise. And if you don't have that, then you have nothing to leverage to become excellent at. Thus, the audience is going to remain small because there's nothing excellent going on. Just remember, you can run job talk on girls. You're not going to do it on guys to a large degree. Men are going to look to you. You're 18 years old right now. In two years, you're going to be... 19, well, you get ready to turn 19 in two years, you're 21. And 
folks are going to be looking for. Okay, what you 21, you grown, grown now. What are you police? And if they're going to be seeing, hey, there's a bunch of job talk, you see him talking, but you don't see any tangibles, eventually that's what folks are saying, okay, we're we, we running a hustle. So my biggest piece of advice for you here is going forward here is 18. I would recommend to you not to attempt to get a shortcut. Don't look for shortcuts. Don't look for the easy way. Not at all. Let me ask you a couple of questions here. Do you own a car? Oh, uh, yes, I do. What kind? It's a, it's a convertible to a Sierra. Uh, 3.5 engine. Okay. What's the last maintenance work you done? Oil change. Is that it? Oil change is like gas, and I checked the is battery. Gas, gas is not maintenance. Uh, my bad. I don't, I'm not a car guy. But it's not about a car like guy. It's your car, and you own it. So if we're going to talk about masculinity, let me ask you a question. Can you change the brakes on your own car? No, I can't. Okay, thank you, because I was about to ask you, what is the procedure to take off the brake calipers on a Toyota Solana? I was about to ask you, what is that? So he was going to tell me, yeah, I still do know. I'm like, oh, good, tell me. Do you know how to change the air filters? I don't. How many air filters does a car have? I don't know. Good God Almighty, and this is our masculinity coach. And by the way, I'm, and I'm not saying this to mock you. I'm not saying this to make fun of you. I'm saying this as a teaching moment. You want me to game you up? I'm gaming you up because I only got a few minutes to talk to you. Bruh, a car typically has two air filters, the external and the internal. The external is up under the hood. That brings in the air to the mass airflow sensor. The internal is the one up under your dashboard that filters the air from the outside coming to the cabin, hopefully filters out exhaust fumes and diesel fumes. So it's not smoking up your car and making it go crazy like that. Hopefully you can right. do that. So what I'm saying is that as a young man and everything, this now we're talking about maintenance. That's basic maintenance. Basic maintenance is being able to change your brakes, change the air filters, uh, changing the oil, that's cool. But the when we're talking about basic maintenance, that's really basic. We can even go further into bleeding down the brakes if we really want to do that. So what I'm saying is as a man, you have a car that's not expensive to maintain. Females are going to judge you on that. We're talking about masculinity. Most of them don't know how to change a tire now. I'm not going to ask you if you do. Okay. Uh, I, I learned in driving school, but I, I forgot because I never had it. I never ran into that. I never practiced it or anything. So if, you had, so if you had a flat tire, you are not sure how to disengage the lugs. I mean, the tire now, nowadays, when technology is let me get this straight let me get this straight so I, I don't want to twist your words so let me get this yeah. straight by the way your hands in the way sir oh, my God. Yes, thank you. Yes, let me make sure i got this straight though if you had a flat tire you would go to youtube to look up how to change the tire you would not get out of the car and begin changing the tire you would first say wait let me go to YouTube and look up how to change the tire. Yes, sir. Okay. You realize how often that doesn't work out very well, but let's just say that the first video that you get to works very fine. 
By the way, you are making the assumption that you're going to have a flat tire in an area that has good cell phone service and a 4G connection so you can get video going. Uh, well, that's my, I don't really drive far. Okay. Like you're, you're you are assuming that you're going to be in an area that has good cell phone connection and enough to be, get video to load. Yeah, I'm assuming so. Okay. I don't know. He's got a female with him in the car. We'll see how this works. So uh, my point is, think about this for a few moments. You're the guy who has to look it up versus the guy who knows how to get the car, get the tire out of the trunk. And they're going to load him. We just engage in the jack. Think about that for a few moments. Think about that for a few moments. So these are not just nifty little things to be thinking about. These are the foundations of masculinity. This is what separates us from a female. Ain't no female you're going to talk to thinking about taking off her lug nuts. Not a single one. That is what gives you masculinity is what gives you competitive advantage. Now, the single female you're talking to is trying to figure out how to get up under their car and get burned by that oil during the oil change. She's damn sure not trying to figure out how to get the oil filter off. Not even thinking about it. That is what gives you masculinity right there. Picking up weights and having six-pack abs, that's cute, but that's being built for show. No female is thinking about if the sink clogs, if the toilet clogs, if she gets a flat tire, if a headlight goes out, because now with newer vehicles, you got to take off the whole damn front of the car to get the headlight assembly out. So what I'm saying is that's manhood. That's masculinity right there. And guess what? The tow truck driver with the spare tire, and I'm talking about the spare tire around his midsection, not the spare tire in the trunk, he becomes your competitor at that moment. If your chick has a flat tire and you talking about, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me look up on YouTube. <laughs> God help you if a tow truck driver pulls up right behind y'all. He's about to pull your broad. He's about to pull your broad. She's going to be sitting there smiling at you, but she's going to be like, this fella is useful. Because she's thinking about the next time she's going to have a flat. And she's like, eh, old dude over here wants to go look it up. Or something else. Because she's thinking to herself, next time it won't be a flat, it'll be something else. Uh, that's right. That's why, like, you have a very good point. And... That's why I'm, I don't really get in a relationship until I'm like, like 30. Like, I, I don't, I'm, I'm focused on building my wealth, gaining knowledge. You know, that's why I call it you. And you have a very great point. That's why I'm, right now I'm getting my house, my cars, my everything. Well, so here's like, the thing you're leaving things to chance, okay? You don't know what can happen on YouTube. YouTube could get right. bought, YouTube could go out of business, YouTube could demonetize your channel. And to the young man who called me from the UK earlier, YouTube has demonetized mine. Fortunately, I don't depend on YouTube to pay my damn bills. But for the rest of y'all, oh, I can make money on YouTube too. They demonetize black folk all the damn time to give the white YouTubers a competitive advantage. So Logan Paul can sit up here and box black uh, genitalia. No, I'm not joking. There's a video of him sitting up here boxing a great big, huge black rubber. But anyway, but he can be monetized. Cardi B can be monetized with wet ancillary parts. So what I'm saying is, dude, you can wake up tomorrow and for no reason and your channel be demonetized. Now what? Dude, on Patreon, you can go to Patreon. I have a Patreon. You can go to Patreon tomorrow and be demonetized or deplatformed. 
Now what? Look at Andrew Tate. Who saw that coming for him? So if you're right. putting all your eggs in the basket, well, don't worry. You two, my friends, they're going to be okay. I'm not going to say anything really wild that can get me demonetized. You have no idea what can get you demonetized. So right. with that being the case, what's the backup plan to keep revenue coming in if YouTube's Google AdSense whatever demonetizes you? What's the plan to my, keep things rolling? My e-commerce business, Shopify, um, you know, I'm going to do well on that. That's my other backup plan. If I had a dollar for every time I've heard e-commerce and drop shipping, I'd have a lot of dollars. Son, I'm going to do this diplomatically as I can. Folks, I'm, I'm handling gently now. How, how much revenue are we possibly getting with 18 years old for e-commerce? Right now, nothing. Right now, I'm working on that. I'm investing into my business every Brother. day. Y'all, I literally just asked him, so what's the backup plan if YouTube demonetizes you? E-commerce. How much make e-commerce? Zero. Brother, there is no backup. Right now, zero. There is no backup. There is no backup plan. That's my point. There is no backup plan. Listen to me carefully. Shortcuts only lead to long cuts. You need a skill. Period. End of discussion. Stop trying to avoid it. You're only 18 years old. If you will invest the next 12 months into yourself, that will help you for a lifetime. If you don't see the value of investing 12 months for a lifetime, this is going to be a hard lifetime. Young man, you don't have a skill. You don't have something that you excel at. You're depending on other people to maintain what you got, either YouTube or Shopify. And you don't have control of them. If you have a skill, you've got control of that. That's something that is dependent only on you. That's it. So what you're not seeing is what you're actually describing are ways to depend on other people and their largesse and generosity. And you can't guarantee it. E-commerce, e-commerce is dependent upon what is in what is in style, what is in fashion, your demand, and your ability to acquire it. Something else, once again, that you don't have control over unless you're the manufacturer. These are wonderful, wonderful platitudes and aspirations they're mathematically challenged. If it was that easy, brother, wouldn't everybody have one? I know it's not easy, but I believe uh, constantly following goes the wrong way. You know, if you're consistent with it, I feel like now, since you know, you're you're smarter than me, you're, you're older. Single biggest piece of advice I can give you. Single biggest piece of advice. You need to have a skill, something that you are resourceful in, something that you specialize in, something that you excel at, so that you are never, ever in a situation where you're economically disadvantaged or deprived. It's not dependent on other people. It doesn't matter whether they like you. It doesn't matter whether they don't like you. It doesn't matter what the economy is doing. Your value. When we say get a skill, we're saying invest in yourself. Get something that is an investment in you that increases your value. You don't have to do medical school or anything like that. 
but you need a skill set. The number one reason why black males are poor today is because they're entry-level employees trying to compete against entry-level employees. And in California, it's legal to be illegal now. I have a question. Uh, what skills would you uh, give some examples like engineers? Well, I mean, certainly engineering would be fantastic. Engineering would be great. STEM is also a great thing there, but I'm also a big believer in skilled trades. I'm a big believer in contracting. So whether it's electrician, carpenter, pipe trades, I have a lot of dudes and whatnot that I put through truck driving school. And California's kind of janky on that right now, so I can't recommend that because California screwed up their laws for that. So I'm not necessarily going to say that. But what I am going to say is that you guys right now, literally there's folks in California literally making millions of dollars in skill trades. Millions. Why? Because you don't have enough people to do it. You're 18 years old. You, if, yeah. I, I personally know contractors making that kind of money. Personally. Personally. And that's going to change your damn view of the world. That's going to change your view of everything. When you realize, I'll be damned, I can do X, Y, Z simply because there's not enough people here. The only reason the illegals are coming across the border right now is because they can stand in front of Home Depot and get somebody to pull up in the pickup truck and take them away to go bang on somebody's house where they can go do some substandard work that's going to fall apart. Which is, by the way, that's the big scandal right now. The illegals don't do good work. But folks sit up here and go sit them because they're, they're lazy themselves. As young men, y'all can have the market caught on these damn things, but looking for an easy way there ain't no easy way there's no easy way and furthermore you don't want it to be because that goes to your character you want to be a person who faces adversity and is faced it down the core of masculinity is we live in an age where you all's biggest adventure is surfing a website now i'm not gonna say it's necessarily your fault we civilized the damn world to a point that you all don't have dangers anymore there used to be rites of passage we used to teach you to use guns, use knives, Boy Scouts, Eagle Scouts, mandatory to be in the military. You used to be forced to go on adventures. We used to grab you by the damn wrist and say, get, you get away from your mommy and your daddy today, and you're going off with these strangers to the other side of the world. And you're sitting there all quaking, looking all crazy and things. Oh, I never went wrong, boy. That's manhood is adjusting to hostile environments. And we got the situation where they can't change the tires on their cars in the civilized society that we have them in. So the more you consciously choose that, the more enhanced your masculinity and manhood will be. Let me tell you right now, the y'all can be in the biggest nightclub with the baddest bros. If I, I can sit up here and engineer getting that away from you, don't you know I can engineer, I can go out to the parking lot right now and go flatten her tire. And all I gotta do is wait. All I got to do is wait for her to walk out with you. Both of you are going to be sitting there looking at her tire helpless. I'm going to just ease up, elbow you out of the way. This couldn't help but notice that having some tire trouble right there. I, I saw this a few minutes ago. I saw the air coming out. I was like, I heard a hissing sound. I, I figured out that was your car. Would you like me to go ahead and take care of that for you? You're going to be sitting in the truck. Hey, man, I can do it. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, I, I can go ahead and take care of it right well, now, man. Oh, at that Lord. point, right, just tell uh, at that point, if you think chicks are royal, what? She's in survival mode. One of y'all is Johnny on the spot ready. The other fella is trying not to get his nails dirty. So what I'm saying is you do yourselves tremendous favors by learning, by getting involved, things that require your hands. You're being handy. We got young men today don't know how to unclog their own sinks.
don't know how to put a leg back on a chair. And then can't figure out why your chick is laying up with the damn handyman from the apartment complex. Y'all be on Maury calling her all kinds of names. All she knows is my sink was stuck. I owe him some sex. So if we're going to talk about masculinity, masculinity is not the aesthetics. It's not a barrel chest and six-pack abs and the, the, Darren, the Derek Jackson fraudulence. Masculinity is what you do and how valuable you are to everyone else. So I'm telling you, you do yourself a tremendous disservice by trying to take a shortcut. Take the hard cut because that right there, 99% of your peers don't even have it today. They're just like you, air builder. What you mean? Literally, it'll take you ten minutes to change your engine air filter. Ten minutes to change the cabin air filter is part of the regular maintenance. So you're going to be a guy who can buy your woman a brand new car, and you can't do anything with the car after that except go to the dealership with her. Think about that for a few moments. You can buy her a hundred thousand dollar car, and if something needs to happen on it, she got to go. You go wait at the dealership with her, both you with your purses. We talk about masculinity. Masculinity is what we do. It's not a picture on Instagram. It's not likes on Facebook. It's how useful we are to everybody else. If you will take some time to invest in yourself, you're 18. This is the moment you're supposed to be doing it. You're out of high school now. You're supposed to be like, hey, I'm investing in myself and my knowledge base. This is the time to be doing it right now. You don't have a family. You don't have kids. You got way more time in front of you than you do behind you. This is it. Get one year's income in the bank. Start getting your credit together now. Have a skilled trade that you can rely on that isn't dependent on any damn body else. And you're starting early. You know the real reason why, why young men sit here and complain about the money that females make is because y'all y'all are going for entry-level jobs with the chicks. Problem. They give preferential treatment to females for certain entry-level jobs. Bank teller, secretary, customer service. If they have their preference, they're going to hire a female for that. You have, once again, you have no control over that. And you can't prove they're discriminating against you. Start stacking the deck in your favor. That's what I'm telling you. Stack the deck. The game isn't won at 20. The game is starting at 20. The game is won at 30. Start stacking the deck now so when you get to 30, you win it. But there's no skill set over here. My biggest piece of advice to you would be do that. If YouTube takes off, that's great. If e-commerce takes off, that's wonderful. You need some guarantees. Just in case these other things do not work. Because otherwise you're putting all your eggs in one basket. That's not even good investing. A good investor would diversify. A good investor doesn't just take high-risk stocks. He doesn't just take high-growth stocks. A good investor gets boring stocks. It gets the GEs and the GMs and the Fords and the Disneys. Nothing to see over here, AT&T. Nothing to see over here, but they're, hey, you can't make a bunch of money on those, but they're consistent gainers. So right now you're betting really heavy on high risk, high reward. I get it. You're not investing anything on foundation. This is a formula for disaster. Everybody starts off with good intentions. Damn intentions. 
I need to know that you rigged this game so you can win. Damn a fair game. I need to know you done rigged it. You're in California right now. California is dying for skilled trades. That place is dying for them. California is dying for engineers. It's an absolute dire straits for engineers right now. Not just California, California, Nevada, Arizona. They will go on YouTube. They, they, I'm just warning you right now. They're going to make sure they get fewer people on there because they're not making as much money off the people like we're doing. My biggest piece of advice, brother, be useful. All the rest of this is cool. Great. Be useful. And at that point right there, you'll have a new class to teach the other young men. The new class to teach them is that women are a side effect. You're teaching them how to chase women. When you get to our level, we don't teach how to chase women. We teach how to attract them. Oh, no, that's, that's not my message. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You don't think of it that way. You are teaching fellas how to chase them. Follow the instructions I've given you, and you will learn how to attract them. See, real game is not pursuing women, nor is it trying to appeal to them. True game is having the ability to stand still and the women come to you. By the way, one last thing. I'm a guy you all have never seen. You should see my DMs look like. You never heard you never heard a scandal, you never heard nothing else. Real recognized real. So what I'm telling you, I'm not telling you what I think or what somebody else told me. What I'm telling you is women chase positivity. I don't chase women. Women chase resourcefulness. That's what I'm trying to tell you. He's 18. He's trying to learn the game right now. I get it. He said what the next level is. The next level is no, don't chase them. The next level is they chase you. What they chase you for. If you're lying on six-pack ads and bases, brother, you don't understand. Women lie their asses off to y'all. Women pretend like they put a big premium on that. A woman is more concerned about her abs than she is yours. Yikes. Shout out Rick Ross. Yikes. Shout out Bird. Shout out Birdman. We can go down the damn list. We can go down the list. If you're dependent on the chest and flat abs, women lie to y'all like a damn rug. A woman is much more concerned about her abs. She's much more concerned about her chest. She's much more concerned about what she gonna get. And your face only has a limited amount of value. And she gets. To, she's much more concerned about her face. She wants to know what you're gonna do for that. She wants to know what you are gonna do for that. From there, they and once they see how resourceful you are, from there, it's a side effect. And the crazy thing is, you're gonna be much less interested in females after that, because once you're producing, your energy, including sexual energy, is gonna go in that direction. And the more you do that, the more the crazy part is the more you do that, the more they're gonna keep trying to chase you. You know, you hang out with chicks like that. He's just out here grinding to make it happen. And they're all that that's gonna make you go into a frenzy. That's the way that works. It sounds anathema, it sounds counterintuitive, but that's the real thing. So if you want to know what the next level is, that's the part you have to work for it on next. But you're gonna to have to live this part. You can't hear it, you're gonna to have to live it. You already know how to get women's attention. Can you get women's commitment and loyalty? I can I won't say the word loyalty, but I'll say, can you get their commitment and get their allegiance? Now, that's hard. Women are loyal to themselves. 
Women are loyal to their interests. That's the way biology made it. Women are loyal to their interests. If serving you is in her best interest, that's where she will be. But biology also dictates that they're constantly testing what their allegiance should be to. Because that is to make sure she doesn't have assurance if she, she's always testing whether or not she is with the best, most secure man she could be with. That's biology. That is also what keeps men competitive. Men only get in trouble when we stop competing. Then we start having questions about whether or not we're the best option. As long as a man is competitive, you're good. I don't mean loyalty as in um, loyalty like a love affair. I mean allegiance like to a nation. That's why I use the word allegiance. That's why I say not loyalty, but allegiance. Sometimes you like California, sometimes you don't. I'll be damned if you're going to get up one morning repping Missouri. For some strange reason, I don't see you putting the Missouri flag on your car and expecting things to go well today. I, I don't think it'll be. Not in 49ers Stadium, not in L.A. So my point is, whether things are going well or not, you have an allegiance. As a man, when you're resourceful enough, sometimes they like you, sometimes they ain't, but they're always having their allegiance to you because you're in their best interest. But that's because she sees that you are most focused on yourself and what you're doing, and she is a beneficiary of that. So if she has a flat tire, she needs an air filter change, this, that, and the other, that's your time to sit up here and say, move to the side. You're supposed to be offended by that. What the hell are you doing talking about going to a dealership for an air filter? If I bought that car and whatnot, you're supposed to come to me. Leadership means call me first. Let me tell you, there's big problems in your relationship. If a woman's got a problem, she's calling somebody else first. Let me just tell you right now, that's not a good thing. But right now, you don't have those skill sets yet to be Mr. Call Me First. I'm telling you, get there. This is the time right now at 18, even if your family never did, your folks never did it, this is the time for you to do that right now. So let me give you some advice. You got a Solara. You need to be aware of how to do all your maintenance on that car. All of it. All the basic maintenance. Go take a look at the owner's manual. It tells you what it is. Your spark plugs, your brakes, your oil cha fluid changes. Not oil changes, your fluid changes. Maybe you don't have to do 100% of them, but you, get, you should get to do 8 out of 10 of those things. That right there, about itself alone, is going to give you a competitive advantage of these mama's boys out there in California right now. Now we got something else to talk about. And by the way, here's the crazy part about it. Even though the females you're talking to don't have a damn idea how to do any of these things, they will all be attracted to you if you can do it just that easy. And because understand something, it's easy to say, give me some abs. We're trying to buy respect. The fellow who can get a woman's car working again, he has he didn't buy respect, he earned it. I'll let you have the last word. Um, I, I just want to say thank you. You know, um, I'm gonna I'm get some skill sets. Uh, it's crazy you talking about electrician because, um, like a week ago I applied for electrician, um, so that's good. So, um, I appreciate it. Thank you for your knowledge. Um, I will. 
I will apply it to my life. I will get some skills. I will build a foundation. I will teach uh, men how to attract instead of chase now. Um, and yeah, I'm going to look up YouTube right now. I don't uh, change my outfit. I don't change my flat tire. And I appreciate it. If you apply for that, I want to hear about that. I'll tell everybody here right now. If this young man goes and applies for that, if you go and apply to be an electrician and go to trade school, if you enter trade school, I'll give you $100. If you make it halfway through, I will give you $500. All right. That seems pretty easy. I'll do that. Is it now? Yeah. I mean, because I'm, I'm very, you know, dedicated and driven. So if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. You know? Yeah. I know I can do it. But I expect to hear back from you. Okay. You will. Thank you very much for giving us a call. Don't talk about it, be about it. Don't talk about it, be about it. I'm glad to see minutes. Family and fellow soldiers, I'm the professor, and this is the moment of truth. You know, it's just a fact that nothing happens in a vacuum under white supremacy. Today, we're going to discuss the case going on in Uganda right now where an American couple is on trial and could face the death penalty because they were torturing the black child who they had adopted. Nicholas and Mackenzie Spencer are a couple from South Carolina, and they've been charged with aggravated torture, which carries a life sentence in Uganda. They've also been charged with aggravated child trafficking, which carries the death sentence. The abuse has spanned at least two years, where they're accused of locking a child up in an empty room without clothes, food, or water. The child's body also showed signs of having been beaten. The abuse was so flagrant that it got the attention of the neighbors, who were the ones who alerted the police. The police received video evidence from a neighbor and nurse who were checking on the child. Now, people like this like to think of themselves as kind of being celebrities of a sort, especially when they go to these poor countries like Uganda. As they see it, apparently they've got some sort of social status, probably tied to their physical appearance. As they see it, the people in these poor countries are allowing them to poach the animals, get drunk in public, engage in violent criminality frequently. So why not go to the next step and go after these people's children? People like this have an unholy fixation with trying to harm black people, and they think of it as glamorous, and why not? They see people like Madonna and Charlize Theron adopting black children, and then we see how these celebrities treat these black children. Madonna uses her captive kids as her personal servants, and Charlize Theron uses the child she captured as her own personal torture doll. Now, there's nothing else that needs to be noted. This sick couple have had at least three children in their clutches since 2018. Somebody needs to be asking questions about those other kids. Because there's no doubt in my mind that this latest child wasn't the first time they've done this. Now, the Spencers originally came to Uganda as so-called volunteers. They claimed to be with an organization called Welcome Ministry. Yeah, that sounds like one of those fly-by-night church organizations now, don't it? 
And this is an MO that we see over and over and over again with these white supremacists, especially when they're going to Africa or if they're going to those countries in the Caribbean. They also come to all of those places claiming that they just want to volunteer, always in some far off place that's got a standard of living far lower than the U.S. And they just cannot wait to go to these places. What on earth are they volunteering for? What's their cover story? Well, obviously, it's not a genuine concern for the people of these places that makes them so eager to get there. And it's not some spirit of adventure that compels them to go either. It's a spirit of depravity. This is what these white supremacists always do in these foreign countries. Haven't you ever wondered why it is that whenever a natural disaster hits one of these third world countries, or whenever a famine hits, or a civil disturbance of some sort, you always have these white supremacists who are the first in line, bags packed at the ready, jolly in the behind to get there as soon as possible. Why is that? Why are they compelled to go to those places in particular? It's because they have the ability to go take advantage of the situation. These places have little any communications infrastructure and no political influence, and they also don't have to be too worried about their misdeeds getting back to the folks back home even if they get caught. Well, at least most of the time they don't worry about it. So they can just go into these places, and they usually make a beeline straight for the children. That's why so many times we hear about a flood or some sort of unrest in these areas, and then you got groups like the UN peacekeepers who go in, or these so-called NGOs, that is non-governmental organizations, or these religious groups like Welcome Ministry who go into these places. And then months or even years later, we hear that these people were raping the children and these religious organizations were torturing the children. They go to these places because they're far from home. If you're nobody can see them engaging in their sick, depraved, demonic behavior. See, what Charlize Theron and Madonna are doing, it's not some victimless crime. It's not harmless. It encourages the Spencers and other trash to go and do the exact same things. Now, should these two degenerates be convicted and sentenced to death, how much you want to bet the U.S. government will come right into the rescue, demanding that they not be executed? Last thing they want is anyone getting the idea that suburban reprobates like the Spencers get caught in crimes, and will the law should actually be allowed to touch them? And don't be surprised if you see some of these white Hollywood celebrities sticking up for them before it's all over. We'll continue with the moment of truth in just a moment, but first, a word from the official sponsor of Black Empowerment, Power Tools. There's no telling when something's going to come up, so make sure you carry your power tools at all times. You never know when you're going to need to bring the hammer down, or when you'll have some trash that needs to be blown away, or some obstacle that requires cutting down. Don't get caught empty-handed. Keep your hammer close by. Keep that leaf blower at the ready and always carry your steel. Power tools. Because no matter what your day job or side hustle may be, there's no excuse for not being ready to put in some work. Now, I consider it particularly ironic that this incident happened in Uganda. Remember, Uganda was the home of Idi Amin. And I'll tell you right now, I was the one who made the classic video, The Truth About Robert Mugabe. I was the first person anywhere to openly challenge the white media narrative about Mugabe and explain where the sudden hatred for Robert Mugabe from the white media really came from. And I know a lot of you have probably seen the movie The Last King of Scotland, but from what I've learned of Idi Amin, it's pretty much rinse and repeat the same thing they did with Mugabe. 
but just with a couple of variations on the theme. They wanted to really dirty Idi Amin up. And the reason why was Idi Amin not only stood up to the white rulership of that country, but then the Asians, specifically Indians who the British had brought in as a buffer class, when they began treating the Ugandans just like the British had, Idi Amin had them deported. As a result, the Europeans and the Asians had a bone to pick with Uganda ever since. Keep in mind, the last and current Home Secretaries in Britain have been Indians, and it was Priti Patel who was laughing and happy and giddy as all get out when she instituted the Tory party's policy of forced deportation of African migrants to Rwanda. That's what they were doing, putting people on planes and saying, we're going to fly you to Rwanda if you come to Britain. Priti Patel is gone. She had to leave when Boris Johnson was forced to resign, but her successor, Suella Braverman, says she dreams of deporting asylum seekers. Both of those two talk about black people like dogs, and they take a particularly perverted glee in any sort of ability they have to use their government posts to harm or otherwise to disadvantage black people. So please don't think that in the case of those two Indian Britain politicians, Idi Amin is far from their minds, because he's not. We hear a lot about black migrants coming to Europe, but there's more white people living in Africa than there are black people living in Europe. That's something you're not going to hear the white media telling you. So to see Uganda in particular exercising power over white citizens is something that won't sit well with the bigots in the British government or in the U.S. The only thing they hate worse than black people throwing them out of these countries are black people informing them that they won't be allowed to leave. You're not going to see them praising the Ugandans for stopping child trafficking and torture. And you know what else you won't see? You won't see Ben Affleck or any of these other white Hollywood celebrities doing any Coney 2012 nonsense, or in this case, Spencer's 2022 nonsense for these two child torturers. It's people like the Spencers who are killing endangered species in Africa, but nobody's making that kind of connection either. Speaking of connections, I'm going to make another one right now. We will never stop demonic individuals like the Spencers until we first stop these African governments from showing them more respect than they do for other black people, including their own. Black people from the United States cannot get any sort of resources or cooperation with those governments in Africa. We show nothing but respect for the people, their culture, their customs, and we are never involved in harming children in those places. Yet whenever we show up and say, hey, why don't we have a little co-action, they turn us down flat. There is no African nation that has any sort of right of return policy for black Americans. Meanwhile, the child torturers from South Carolina are let right in and they're living over there and allowed to stay as long as they want. Keep in mind, the Spencers are supposed to be working for a private company, but their work permit expired last year. These white supremacists receive a special dispensation in the very countries whose people they subjugated and killed with impunity for so long. If it seriously starts to look like the Ugandans are going to go for a capital punishment sentence against the Spencers, then the U.S. is going to step in to object. Maybe not openly, but they're going to do it. And the U.S. won't be alone. Other European countries like Britain will be doing the same, and so will the Asian countries. You'll recall that a few months back, there was that Chinese national who had been in Malawi. He claimed that he was teaching the children how to speak Chinese, but in reality, he was teaching them to say derogatory phrases about themselves. And then this sick freak was taking the video of his perverted acts and selling them online and making tens of thousands of dollars off of it. 
Do you think that those were just white supremacists paying him for those videos? No. There's a lot of Asians who also paid for them as well. Voice of America reported that he was selling his videos on a Chinese website for $70 a piece. Some of the children have also accused him of physically abusing them as well. Now, this creep, you'll recall, fled to Zambia, but the Malawian authorities requested that he be extradited back to stand trial, and the Zambians complied, though not before making him pay an almost $800 fine for illegal entry and illegal stay. Currently, this child molester is awaiting trial where he faces five counts of child trafficking, money laundering, and procurement of children to perform in public, as well as a cybersecurity crime. He's been denied bail, and of course, the Chinese embassy is saying that they condemn racism in any form, blah, 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 and they're going to be working closely with the Malawi government to help address this incident. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of when Peter Liang murdered Akai Gurley. There were behind-the-scenes discussions in that incident, too, and all of it about making sure that the criminal never got punished. While it's good that the Africans are at least putting these three animals on trial, the real question will be, A, will they have the stones to convict them or allow their respective home governments to get them off the hook? And B, will they follow through on capital punishment in the case of the Spencers if convicted? Or are they going to be trying to find a way to thread the needle to do just enough so they can tell their own citizens, look, uh, we took these crimes very seriously. But not enough where the white leadership of the U.S. or the Asian leadership in China are going to have to see black people exercising power over their citizens. The Africans' track record on this is consistently inconsistent. They've arrested the occasional white gun runner or terrorist, but as often as not, they've allowed them to talk their way out of punishment or allowed their home countries to do it for them. And keep in mind, these are the people who are claiming that they're going to be helping to build and develop Africa. This is their idea of development. It's often been said that the children are the future. But that being the case, a people who do not protect their children and who do not punish those who harm their children are also a people who will have no future. Good day and be one. I'd like to take a moment to mention some of our contributors. Ogheneru Imo Asa. Jacques Hargett, Joy Henderson, Stephen Mugisa, and Cowie Harvard. Salute to them and thank you to everyone for listening, liking, and sharing this message. Black empowerment only exists because of you. A large part of why people do it is giving gifts is fun, especially for children. There's the anticipation, the person tearing at the wrapping, having no idea what they're going to get. And then there's the look on their face if you guessed correctly and gave them exactly what it was that they really wanted. It's the same principle that makes game shows so popular. But the reason that you engage in a particular activity is at least as important as the activity itself. Now, a lot of you say it's because of religion. You celebrate Christmas because of religion. And you're right, but have you ever asked why? I'm not talking about the roots of the holiday itself, but I'm talking about why you do it. Naturally, religion is a really touchy subject for black folks, but we have to stop being so opposed to discussing it. Or rather, we have to stop being opposed to discussing our part in it. When your oppressor teaches you that there's an omnipotent, all-seeing being who is watching you all the time, and that you better not divert from whatever he's taught you, or the very God you worship will punish you, that's a recipe for mental enslavement. Don't think, 
just obey. Five, but obey who? Even in the Bible, God allowed the prophets and saints to ask questions. In fact, he encouraged it. About the only thing that God punished was defiance in that regard. He didn't punish people merely making inquiries or asking questions, even pointed ones. But white power says don't ask any questions at all. White power is insidious. And the white supremacists understand and they've long practiced that they have to utilize every aspect of the society and weaponize everything in the society to keep the oppressed oppressed. And we've been taught to glorify the people who have held us in bondage, which means we can never truly fight against our oppression. It's time to break that programming. The entire point of religion is supposed to be to magnify the one being worshipped and to empower the worshiper. See, it's a two-way street, not a one-way road. Religion is a symbiotic relationship. You glorify your God, and in turn, the deity makes you more than you could have been on your own. If you want to have a celebration during wintertime, that's fine. In fact, that's something you're supposed to do anyway. See, one of the multitude of problems with white supremacy is that it's brought about this satanic idea that man is not a part of nature. They teach that man controls the earth, except they're talking about white men. They're certainly not talking about black ones. Because modern people have found ways to redirect waterways and to fashion things from what the earth provides, that basically means that man controls all of it. The earth has been broken to man's will. White supremacy has taken its own racial arrogance and hostility towards anything that isn't like them, and they've extended this contempt to the very earth itself. So they show no regard for black people. They also show no regard for the earth itself. In fact, they try to make defiling the planet seem valiant and proper when it's not. We live off of the land. We depend on it for every crumb of our daily bread, every drop of water we drink, and every breath that we take. All cultures have some sort of festival or party to celebrate the seasons because they're celebrating nature and the fact that we're a part of it. Summer festivals, fall festivals, winter festivals, the spring festival, seasonal festivals are important because they teach us to recognize and better appreciate the cycle of life, decline, death, and rebirth. The earth shows us a cycle in 12 months that for a human being takes several decades to play out. We watch as the leaves and the flowers and the very grass under our feet wither and die right in front of us. And then a few months later, we watch as it's reborn. That's important because it's the way the human beings are. We're part of this cycle too. The problem is when someone else comes along and teaches you to ascribe things to the seasons that you shouldn't. For example, if someone gets you to teach your children that every year some overweight white man from the coldest part of the planet is going to come to your house and drop consumer goods all over the floor, under white supremacy, that is indoctrinating black children to look to white power for all of their needs and wants. But of course, they also understand that they can only get that if the white powers that be are convinced that they've been good, read, obedient. Santa Claus only shows up once a year. But the people who control the resources in this society look like him, so a black child will try to treat the dominant society like Santa Claus and attempt to get goodies from them by convincing them they've been very good. This is mental genocide. Black parents need to be responsible and teach their children the truth. The gifts that they get every year came from a black person. Take responsibility for your achievements and your contributions. Don't ever let someone else take the credit for what you did, especially not in your own home. 
If you do that, what you're doing is you're ceding to white power the authority and respect that a black parent is supposed to have under their own roof. White power didn't make it a Merry Christmas. You did. Because when parents don't have the money to buy gifts or to splurge on a big Christmas meal, that child's not going to blame Santa Claus for what they don't have. They're going to blame their parents. And the white media is not going to do anything to take the attention off of you either. They don't put out any propaganda meant to make your child feel better about you not having the money to shower them with the latest gadgets or whatever. So if you're going to take the blame for lacking the resources to get your child these gifts or whatever, then you better make sure you take the credit too. Now, a lot of black parents go along with certain things simply because they don't want the child to feel, quote unquote, left out. But what does that even mean? Well, it usually means left out from whatever the white media and the dominant society say is important. So we indoctrinate our children to take up the traditions and customs of a hostile society instead of doing what we know we ought to do, which is to embrace and give rise to our own. And that's pretty much the crux of tonight's Sunday Christmas address. We need to talk about where tradition comes from. I don't mean the act itself or the particular observance. I'm talking about the word tradition. Here's a not so fun fact. Did you know that the word tradition comes from the old Latin word tradere? The word tradere has two meanings. The first was when you hand something over. And the second definition is to betray. Tradere is also the etymological root of the words traitor and betrayal. So for those of you who were decking the halls and making merry a few hours or perhaps a few minutes ago, teaching your children a tradition, what you really taught them was a betrayal, not merely because I said so, but because the very people who brought you these traditions said so. White supremacy believes in duality, that there's two sides to everything. That's why they have no problem smiling in your face. Meanwhile, they're getting ready to stick that knife in your gut. They mentally hoodwinked you. And now many of you have done that with your own children. These white corporations, they have a holiday season of their own too, but it has absolutely nothing to do with turkeys, snowmen, Christmas wreaths, or Christ. And just to show how different and separate and apart white corporate power is from you, these white corporations' holiday season doesn't begin on Thanksgiving Day. In fact, it begins after Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, not the day of. Black Friday. They call it that because that's the time of the year that they can get their books out of the red and into the black. Black Friday is pretty much the only example of white power ascribing anything positive to the word black. So the irony across the board is excruciating for those who pay attention. And more than that, white power pushes products at you off and on from November all the way through tax season. First, they tell you that you have to buy things from them because it's the holidays. And even if you're not going to buy something for yourself, then buy their products and give it to family and friends, regardless of if they need it or not. Then they say, ring in the new year. And what's the new year's resolution going to be? Every corporation says buy their products. That's your new year's resolution. And right after January 20th, they begin telling you to go file for your taxes so you can get your tax return and then give it straight to some white corporation. And they've got plenty of things that you can give them money for. Valentine's Day, Super Bowl, hey, you got to get that 75-inch TV for the big game. And right after the Super Bowl, they're talking about spring break. 
or the car dealerships are pushing hard at you that you need to take that refund and go ahead and do a down payment on one of their vehicles. It's always the right time of year to give white power your money. Oh, yeah, these white corporations can ride that horse practically into the summer. You get happy about five days out of the year. White power is on a roll for five months. You celebrate. These white power brokers celebrate. You celebrate all the money you spent on buying things, and they celebrate all the money that you spent with them. This is what Brother Khalid Muhammad meant when he said, you start off the holidays going ho, ho, ho. And for the next couple of months, you oh, 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 everybody. White power doesn't operate the same way you do. It's not their job to celebrate the season. It's their job to get you to do that. A lot of the holidays are actually made up by corporations to begin with. Valentine's Day, Father's Day, Mother's Day, St. Patrick's Day, Earth Day. These are days made up by companies. But because they have so much money, they can buy airtime with the white media. They can take out newspaper ads and television commercials telling you to celebrate this or that to the point that you think buying dad some socks for Father's Day or buying mom some shoes for Mother's Day is more important than spending time with them. We put more thought into what gift we're going to buy than we do into the people that we're supposed to be buying them for. We're swept up in the pageantry and trying to be part of something because we don't want to be left out. No surprise, what we're not trying to be part of is a community or in some cases, even a family. Look, this isn't about whether or not you stand under a mistletoe or if you hang a wreath or even if you decorate a tree. This is about power. To be honest, I don't care if you do. What I'm trying to say is teaching your children to cherish Santa Claus, who literally looks like every plantation owner you've ever seen, only with the red coat and black boots. That's teaching your children to be powerless in the face of white power. And it's not just old Saint Nick you need to be on the lookout for either. This time of year is all about consumerism, and black people lead the league in consumption. We buy everything, but we manufacture nothing. We watch TVs that we didn't make and didn't sell. And on these holidays, we're watching the big game on TV with sports teams that we don't own. A mental migration away from this learned betrayal is what's called for. That's why I push the fact that this time of year needs to be our holy days. Dr. Chancellor Williams, Dr. Ben, Dr. Clark, Dr. Francis Chris Wilson, Khalid Muhammad, Dr. King. Sure, there's plenty more, but this time of year, should be one where instead of reflecting on what consumer electronics we're going to buy or what party we're going to be going to, ceremony or whatever that we're going to observe, what we need to be doing is refocusing on our master teachers and the lessons they taught us. And we need to be giving those lessons to our children, not teaching them to revere and look up to the image of white power, but to look up to and look for support from other black people. The Bible says that charity begins at home and then spreads abroad. What you do in your home matters. You can see the fakery as well as anyone else. That's part of the reason why so many of these holidays are marked by alcohol and revelry. It's meant to get you anesthetized. You're drunk or in a food coma or dancing and singing or watching the game. You're distracted. The one thing you're not doing is thinking. Or do you think it's some sort of accident that this time of year happens to be the time when suicides spike? You don't really know what it is you're celebrating or why. I'm not asking you to do anything other than to look at what it is you're doing and ask, does this empower me? Does it empower my children? 
even if all the white media screams that it does, even if they carpet bomb you with propaganda, whose entire purpose is to make you think you're being left out, do you have the strength of character to say no to something that doesn't honor and elevate you? That's what I want you to start doing. What I want us to start doing. We have enough spiritual courage and intellectual honesty to begin doing things meant to benefit only us. Dr. Ben talked about that. A lot of black folks were so jolly in the behind when the federal government declared a holiday for Dr. King. But Dr. Ben said that instead of begging for a day, black people need to start taking a day. Dr. Ben, as with so many other things, was absolutely right. And that's why I make it a point to commemorate our holy days during December and January. And beyond that, you got days like May 19th, Malcolm X Day as I call it. White power doesn't recognize these days, and that's good, because it means that honoring our heroes for ourselves is an act of personal and group self-determination. We are elevating them because we chose to. If something is only important to you if white power says it is, that's thinking like a slave. Over here in black empowerment, we cherish the revolutionaries, freedom fighters, and professional troublemakers. Not good twelver but bad trouble, the kind that changes things. And speaking of change, you can begin with yourself and your family. Start practicing a tradition and stop practicing betrayal. Good evening and be one. I'd like to take a moment to mention some of our contributors. Porter Walker, Sherman Marshall, Eric Bailey, Courtney Thomas, and Zachariah Williams. Salute to them and thank you to everyone for listening, liking, and sharing this message. Black empowerment only exists because of you. We'll re-